If you've ever got a student to do something by calling it a game, you might be a teacher. Being a teacher sometimes means finding ways around limitations, problems, or struggles to keep things on track. We learn to improvise and adapt. But when it comes to teaching language arts in our school, we don't have to find workarounds. Loyola Press took the long view when they created Voyages in English, the brilliant K-8 language arts program. The fundamentals of grammar and writing that students learn enable them to become effective writers, which can help improve performance on standardized tests and grow into successful communicators. The flexible framework of Voyages in English is adaptable to any teaching style and any student's abilities. With practice, the mechanics build in complexity over time. It just all works together. Visit voyagesinenglish.com to learn more, then order a sample. With Voyages in English, there are no crazy workarounds, just solid help for today's language arts teachers. Catholic Teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen. Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. I'm Jill. I'm here with Colleen. We are grateful to be together again to laugh, explore, and connect. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. Colleen, yesterday you said something that grabbed my attention and I want to chat about it today. Uh, you were talking about a student who had been homeschooled and then she entered into the Catholic school um, and she's a student with a disability. And I'm wondering, have you had a lot of experience with kids who were previously homeschooled? I, I don't think so. Um, I remember, you know, a, cu- a couple as a high school teacher, certainly I had a couple come into the high school because they were homeschooled for elementary and I have a good friend that homeschools her kids. <laughs> so I'm familiar that way. But yeah. as a teacher, um, homeschool families coming in, I don't have a lot of experience with that. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting to watch this throughout the United States because there are statistically, and maybe these numbers could be off because sometimes people homeschool and they don't register uh-huh. themselves as a homeschool. Yep. But statistically speaking, there are more homeschooled kids in the United States than kids in Catholic schools. Hmm. And okay. so there's networks of homeschool kids and there's people just doing it independently and all yeah. that. But um, I'm wondering... I've had moments of good and moments of frustration as you welcome a student who previously was not in school. So I'm going to start with like the funny good ones. And like I had um, when I taught middle school, a lot of families would enter their kids into the public middle school I was teaching in to get them ready for a regular high school. And then and then in the Catholic school um, setting, we often get kids who jump in and jump out every few years, like their family will homeschool for a while and then they'll bring their kids back Mm -hmm. to school. And in Michigan, it's like the most lax homeschool law in all 50 (laughs) states. So we have a lot of homeschoolers and it's like a four page form. You just fill in a form saying you're going to homeschool your kid. You don't have to prove anything else. So tons of homeschoolers everywhere. Um, People move to Michigan to homeschool their kids, actually. What? So it's just, so we have a lot of it. Yeah, it's a lot of it. Um, But here's, here's like a funny moment. So funny moments are like the first time when I was teaching, this is a long time ago, a student who was previously homeschooled 
like did not understand why we had these bells. Like we would ring up, <laughs> like you ring this big, awful bell and every school's bell is uh-huh. different, but it was like the bell rang and we moved like cattle to the mm-hmm. next class. And she's like, I'm in the middle of something. Like she did uh-huh. not want to stop. She did not want to move because she's like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why would I go do this other thing? Like I was in the middle of learning. And so after a while we would laugh about it, but it's, it's so true. Like it, it forced me to kind of like having international kids. It made, it made, it made me think of like, why do we do that thing? Well, of course. Like, so some things really don't make sense it's in schools, but it's just, it this is how we've always this done school in America. Yes. Yes. Makes yes. me crazy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and like why everyone is doing the same thing at the same mm-hmm. time or what, like all the dead time, like the oh. dead time usually kills kids who are homeschooled. Yeah, can I tell you about one of my Because students? we really don't. Yeah. We, d- we don't realize. Sure. And it was a student that actually pointed that out to me as an English teacher. So she, this was, she was such a wonderful student. Oh my gosh. And she comes in and she's like doing the thing. And she's like, just tell me what to do. And I'm, and I'm doing it, you know? So she pointed out to me one day, she's like, you know, I was done with that assignment like 20 minutes ago and you haven't given me anything else to do. And I'm just like sitting here waiting and I don't know why she's like, she like looks around at her classmates. She's like, I don't know why it takes them so long. I don't, I don't think they're really even trying. (laughs) She's like, but we sit here and we spend all this time and I want to learn more and I want to do more. And I don't know, I don't know what's taking these people so long. It was kind of funny, but not funny, you know? It is funny because she's never, but she's never sat next to kids her own age doing the same task. So it's like good and Mm -hmm. bad, right? Because there's also moments that she's probably doing things that are taking her forever and everyone else. Yeah. You like normalize that a bit when you're sitting with every, every other nine-year-old in the city, (laughs) you're all sitting in the same room (laughs) together. Um, it's super normal, but okay. Then that leads into though, uh, a scenario. And I think I may have mentioned this on a different episode of, I had a, um, a mom who was so proud of her daughter. She was the oldest of the family and she was going to enter school for the first time ever because she had been homeschooled Ah. all the way through sixth grade. So she entered into mine as a seventh grade. And, um, and then the girl arrives, she's a super reader, you know, think I'm, I'm the English and math teacher. She's a super good reader, can read anything under the sun. And she turns in her first written assignment and this girl cannot write at all. Ooh. Like, it, but her mom is like, isn't she so brilliant <gasps> at writing and da, 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 da. And I was like, oh no, this like sentences don't look like sentences. What? She doesn't know how to indent. This is like handwritten. This is pre, okay. you know, one-to-one yeah. technology. So like, she could not write. She, she loved creativity. She could, she could write a fairy tale, but it's going to be like seven pages, all one paragraph, oh my you know, goodness. but does not know grammar, does not have handwriting skills, does not have like, and so once we get to argumentative and informational <gasps> writing, like not a clue. Okay. So I kept thinking, what am I going to yeah. do? So I decided well, I, I told the mom a few times gently, like, cause this girl then was not doing mm-hmm. well in the class. Like her grades were not high. Yeah. I did not want the mom to think this is her first time entering into school. I really wanted this girl to be embraced. So I was saying like, okay, I don't want her to think that the judgmental public school people, yeah. cause I was in the public school time. I didn't want her to think like judgmental people are now telling me my daughter isn't good at something. And as a mom, I've been her teacher since birth. So yeah, so it's personal. I decided instead to take a stack, 
it's really personal. So I, I took a stack of papers. I, they were doing, uh, actually, they were preparing for, I think, the state test, the eighth mm-hmm. grade written uh, Michigan test. And so, you know, you have a timed writing. It's very much like, here's the prompt. Here's the essay. Here's the prompt. Here's the essay. It has a rubric. So I took her daughters and then I took a stack of them and I took all the names off and I said, hey, mom, I'm going to attach these to an email for you. And I just want you to see the range of what seventh graders write and what the grades are. Because I felt like she would have to sit at home alone and look at what seventh graders should be writing in order to understand that her daughter's writing was not up to stuff. Now, the mom was not argumentative or anything with me. I was just trying so hard to be gentle that I didn't know what to do. Well, over time, this girl turned it around. Like she, she was, you know, she was independent. She was very able to learn. Um, But she came in with just a really skewed self-image and of like her writing ability and then had to quickly... I mean, she didn't, I don't think she got an A in my class, but I, I, gosh, I don't even know if I did the right thing, but I was trying to figure out how do you, how do you tell someone that their kid can't write when they're coming in thinking that their child is brilliant in writing. And it was, it was really hard. So I'm curious, like a lot of things are actually coming into my head, but there's, I have a question now of how do people determine whether or not they are a good writer? Because you can, you can have your work. We've talked about this. You can have your work edited. What if you are a great storyteller and you have all these creative ideas and you can put things, you can like, I don't know if there was speech to text at the time, would that have helped? <laughs> like, could she organize thoughts? Could she put things, you know what I mean? Yeah, so maybe. does that mean you're a good writer or does it mean, are you a good writer when you have a grasp of sentence structure and grammar? So, um, you know, because you can, we can fill the gaps with sentence structure well, and grammar. This is, this is, I, I think this is where I was philosophically having a struggle yeah. with homeschooling at that time, I don't think this family was connected to any other homeschoolers. Mm, They were just doing their thing. Mom, it was just all up to mom and all these kids together in a room. Right. And so I remember using language like, well, there are state standards for this. And so it's my job to teach your daughter this entire range. I was like showing her curriculum standards. Cause if you were homeschooling, you would understand curriculum and instruction enough that you could like talk the talk with me a little. And you know, that we're not just doing narrative or doing these other types and all these things come out to be a well-rounded seventh grade writer. Um, and, and that's where I, I feel for schools who are trying to get through without any, like this is, this is the profile of a seventh grade writer, or these are the seventh grade curriculum standards for writing and reading and language Mm -hmm. arts, because you have to reference something like someone besides me as mom or me as teacher is deciding what's good and bad. Not because, you know, you know, you know, letting someone else to say, I mean, like there's a collective wisdom here (laughs) of how we get kids from grade one to grade 12. And uh, I mean, a healthy fear of like, okay, do they need all those things? And like, I'm a professional, but it can't just be like mom or teacher deciding by themselves what, what makes a seventh grade writer. Some states that homeschoolers are responsible for the state test as well, that they have to take the state test, but that is not the case in Michigan, huh? 
So no, no, not in Michigan. Okay. So yeah, it's why they're all moving here, which is fine. <laughs> we'll take them. Because I love the relationship too between, I love the relationship between like Catholic schools and homeschool because I feel like it's a, also a mission to say, okay, family, come to community, yeah. like come to our Catholic school, yep. help us to work with you. So I, I also like a shout out to just having a good mindset for kids coming from non-traditional places because their family chose your classroom for a reason or your yeah. school for a reason. So do everything you can to embrace that because it, it can be really hard, um, but it can be super rewarding when the kid's giggling about the bell ringing. Like it's super fun <laughs> because you're like, yeah, why does that bell ring? Like we could just glance at the clock and know to change classes. Yeah. Like this is silly. You're right. Um, All right. Anyway, well, well, we've run out of time as usual. So thanks everyone for the energy boost. We love exploring your ideas and affirming your efforts. Keep the suggestions coming in and tune into our next episode as we talk about more, more great ideas from fellow teachers. We'll see you next time.